We're going to turn to the New Testament, please, to Second Timothy. Second Timothy in chapter 1. Um, as I've been studying this, I've been getting myself confused between my first Timothys and my second Timothys. And as I've been writing things down, I keep writing down one Timothy when it's two Timothy. It's very confusing. So we're in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to just open now in prayer. Father God, we thank you, Father God, that you are a good God. And as we, as we think about that snow coming down out there, we thank you that in Jesus Christ and through his death and resurrection, we are able to find what it is like to have our sins washed as white as snow and to be clean in your sight. And we're singing there about it. In royal robes, I don't deserve, I live to serve your majesty. We don't deserve it, Father God, but we thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son. And we thank you that we're able to stand clean only through Jesus and his perfect sacrifice for us. So today as we come to your word, we just acknowledge that it is your word and we come against the enemy and all his lying ways, seeking to uh, confuse matters. Father, we pray your word is a sharp, sharp as a two-edged sword. And we declare the name of Jesus today. And we pray that you would speak your word to us as we read it. Help us to understand it by your spirit. Help us to apply. Help me to speak what you would have me to speak today. And we thank you for this word of challenge and encouragement today. And pray you bless it to us in Jesus' name. Amen. To Timothy. Sometimes you come up with a title for a message. I couldn't come up with one today, so I just called it Two Timothy 1. <laughs> one to seven. <laughs> Which is really creative of me. Uh, so today, um, we're going to be looking later on uh, this evening, as was mentioned earlier on, there's going to be two parts to this message. This is part 1, verses 1 to 7, and part 2 this evening, verses 8 to 14. So let's read 2 Timothy 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Jesus and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love and self-discipline. We pray God will bless his word to us today. So firstly, I just want to look at the introduction to this passage in the first couple of verses there, verses 1 and 2. We start this particular chapter with Paul introducing himself. I'd imagine, you know, if you write a letter to someone, you, you tend to uh, start with some kind of greeting. And Paul would, would often do this. And what does he say about himself? He says, Paul... An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. That word apostle refers to a special calling by God. It means something along the lines of a sent one. One who is sent uh, by God and to serve God. And Paul had a specific call in his life from God to go to the churches, the Gentile churches, the ones who, who weren't from a Jewish background. God gave him a call, go and preach the gospel. Preach the good news about Jesus. And Paul took on board that apostleship and went out and started to preach the, the gospel. 
after first of course having a personal encounter with God and being <laughs> becoming a believer himself in Jesus and Paul was travelling all around uh, the known world at that time and uh, coming into contact with a lot of people who had never heard about Jesus and sharing the good news and he says there you know, he's to bear witness to the life that is in Christ Jesus we were singing earlier on because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives. You see, we're coming up to Easter time just now and no doubt we'll be, we'll be thinking a lot more about not only the death but the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is all happening. Paul becoming an apostle. He had an encounter on a Damascus road with the living Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Blinded by a light, hearing the voice saying, Jesus, this is Jesus, the one whom you're persecuting. And there's Paul thinking he's living a a good life and he has a personal encounter with Jesus and it changes his life an encounter with the risen Jesus with the victorious Jesus and he's out with this good news message of declaring hey, Jesus is alive and he did all of this he paid the price for your sins and, and sharing the message uh, for others to, to that so he was, a, he was a witness wasn't he? he was a witness he had a personal encounter with Jesus and he was out sharing that testimony with other people now Paul's writing this letter to Timothy Timothy was a younger man and uh, he was at this point he was a a Christian leader in in the church life now Paul calls Timothy my dear son, did you notice that? he says my dear son verse 2, why do you think he would call him a son? well one reason he might have called Timothy a son was you know Paul when he went out and he preached in these areas that had never heard about Jesus he would have met lots of uh, different people and when those people came to faith he was in a way acting like a, a spiritual father to them because it was through Paul's ministry that folks came to faith and he had this very special relationship with them in that way so I've no doubt at all that spiritually speaking Paul really f- thought of Timothy and many others like him to be a, a son now Timothy uh, was mentioned I'll just rewind a wee bit Paul had a ministry in Lystra which is where Timothy was from where he was brought up and in Acts chapter 14 verse 67 it outlines how Paul uh, was there on a mission trip sharing the gospel uh, in Lystra probably for the first time and then later on maybe a couple of years later on in Acts 16 it says this 16 verse 1 he came to Derby and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. just want to notice something there about Timothy. It says his mother was a believer, and she was from a Jewish background. But his, his dad wasn't a believer. He was from a Greek background. Of course, there were Greeks that were coming to faith, but in, and that, that was very much the... Paul was sent to preach the the good news because it's available to the whole world. But in Timothy's particular home situation, he had a mum who became a believer and he had a dad who hadn't accepted Christ yet. In 1 Corinthians 4 verse 17, Paul also talks talks about Timothy as being like a son to him. He says this, "Therefore, Therefore I urge you to imitate me. For this reason I am sending to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in my church. You notice there that Paul also refers to a church relationship, like being children to him, his dear children. He says in 1 Corinthians 4.14, I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. 
You see the kind of compassion, the kind of close relationship that Paul is, is describing here in the church life. And he refers to himself as a spiritual father in 1 Corinthians 4.15. He says, even though you have had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. So he's saying that God blessed him with a special relationship because he was the one that had the privilege of sharing the gospel with the, these people. And when they came to faith, it's as close as that. Feels like you're my own children. I love you. It's special, the relationship we now have in Christ. So Paul there is using the language of a family. And today's the day when we're thinking a bit about that. On Mother's Day and thinking about giving God thanks for the people in our lives. But it's important that we don't get confused about the way that we're talking about family here. Paul makes things clear about what he's talking about in verse 2 of 2 Timothy 2. He says, Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So this this family relationship that Paul is describing only happens when we trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord, as our personal Lord. And then we enter into a wonderful relationship with God the Father. And that's that's a tremendous concept, isn't it? And a tremendous truth. God is our Father. God is the one who created us and he loves us more than we could ever imagine. But of course we're not in a right relationship with God until we accept his son as our saviour. That's the way into a relationship with him. And we have that perfect. He's our father God and we're his children. So we look to, we look to God the father and he gives us this wonderful privilege of being part now through Jesus, being part of the family of God And you know what? The family of God is really big. How many people in the world today have a true faith in Jesus? There are millions. I don't know what the latest figures are for organisations like OM. Some of these things have been published with estimates, but millions upon millions of Christians alive in the world today in the family of God through Jesus Christ. And in the church, whether it's the local church or the wider church, we we tend to develop relationships that are very special with each other. There would be something along the lines of the way that Paul's talking about Timothy and that type of close relationship. In a healthy church scenario, you'll have older men who are becoming like spiritual fathers to people. That doesn't always mean age, because remember Timothy was quite a young man, but he was a leader in the church. And Paul said, don't let, let people look down on you because you're young. It's also about Christian maturity. So when somebody comes to faith, like we've had here in the church over the last few years, maybe the person that led them to the Lord there'll be a special relationship there and it'll always be dear to the person that was led to the Lord by them. And then we disciple people, don't we? We train them as has been happening again in this place here and we're getting alongside people teaching them the word. That's a, that's a special sharing. So older men or, or more, more mature men in, in the faith are like spiritual fathers and helping those who are younger in the faith and the same with the women as well. Even in Titus it talks about the older women training the younger women or the more mature women training those who are maybe not quite so knowledgeable in the faith. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? A family-like relationship, but it's to do with, it's to do with training and discipling and encouraging one another in our faith. That's what's to be happening there in the church. So Paul uses the terms father and children and he's referring to that type of special family relationship with other Christians that only happens in the church of Jesus Christ. So how would we apply that to ourselves today? Well I would see that there's an encouragement in the passage and there's also a challenge. The encouragement would be that if we have placed our faith truly in Jesus Christ 
not only have we entered into a wonderful relationship with God, but we've also entered into a permanent place in the family of God. And that should be a tremendous encouragement to us today. We are not an island. God didn't create us to be lone rangers. He created us to be part of a community, part of the family of God. And that's a tremendous encouragement when you've taken that step. The challenge, I would say, is to make sure that we, in the family of God, that we are encouraging one another the way we see Paul doing and the way we see others doing here in the scriptures. And the other thing we should be doing is teaching and training uh, others as well in the faith. So just a few aspects, I'll just get three aspects of Timothy's situation I just want to hone in on. Firstly, notice that Timothy had a good friend in verses 3 to 4. I thank God whom I serve, said Paul, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience. As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. So Paul starts, he's thanking God. And Paul, of course, himself is serving God. And from this time, most likely, as he refers to being in prison later on in the letter, Paul's having a pretty difficult time, but he's still thanking God. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It shows you Paul's faith, doesn't it? That even when he's in such a difficult situation, he says, I thank God, whom I serve. And he says, as my forefathers did. Now what's Paul doing to encourage himself? You, know, you might say, well, Paul's encouraging Timothy. But Paul's also encouraging himself in the Lord by remembering his forefathers. He's remembering the people who influenced his life. He's remembering the scriptures where God moved in so many ways in different times with the people of God. And he's encouraging himself by thinking down the line. And he says, as well as, as, well as that, he's, he's saying he has a clear conscience. That shows to me he's walking right with the Lord. He's walking in obedience to the Lord. He's walking close. What do I mean by that? Well, he's not just preaching the gospel. He's living it. He's living in obedience to what God's Spirit's telling him to do. And that'll be things to do with his personal behaviour, behind closed doors as well as out in the open, being obedient to God's word, so that he's serving with a clean conscience, clear conscience. And when we do sin, we keep short accounts with God and we, we confess our sins to God and he's faithful to forgive us our sins. Because Paul wasn't a perfect man. No, no men have been and no women have been, haven't they not? He was an ordinary man like you and I who had failures and had mistakes, but he, he brought them to the Lord. And you can see something in the, of what was going on behind the scenes there when he says, as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Night and day, he says, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Paul was a praying man. And that prayer would have started, no doubt, with the, like the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then down to forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. It's hard to be in prayer and not bring confession to God, isn't it? Because before you start praying for other people, you need to have that clear conscience. So I would, it's not in the passage there, but I'm just sharing. Paul was praying a lot and he was keeping himself in a close relationship with God in his prayers. Also, he wasn't just thinking about himself, and that, that is a godly characteristic, isn't it? When you see someone who is godly, one of the characteristics that shines from a godly person is that they don't think about themselves an awful lot, is that they tend to have a very godly way of looking at things. I've, I've experienced this with a number of people in, who I've looked up to in the faith, where they're going through times of sickness, they're going through really, really trying times themselves, but you meet them and the very first question, the very first thing they say to you is, is how, are you, how are you doing? And how's so-and-so doing? And how's so-and-so doing and remember so-and-so and they list of about five people to you and they'll say something like I've been praying for them I've been thinking about them I met somebody like that a few weeks before he passed away a godly man who asked me about five or six people 
and then eventually tagged on at the end I'm actually not really doing well myself when I asked him it's only God that can give us that ability to be like that when we're in a really close relationship with him we're able to minister out the way to other people because we've got a genuine love from God for other people it's a good, it's a good sign when somebody's walking close to the Lord if they're focused on others and if they're in prayer so to apply that to ourselves today it is wonderful when a Christian brother or sister in the church says to you they're praying for you isn't it? it's the greatest blessing in the church I think because that is someone saying I'm petitioning God for you and we know that God's given us a mysterious responsibility although he is, he is able to do everything and he could just make things happen he asks us to pray he asks his people to move in prayer seek ye first the kingdom of God knock and the door will be open to you keep on knocking says the scriptures keep on asking God wants us to participate so it's a tremendous blessing when God's people say I'm praying for you I'm petitioning God for you I'm bringing this prayers for you and especially when you know that the person is actually praying for you when you actually know that it's real because of course it's easy to say I'm praying for, praying for you and never do it it's a wee statement that we could say but in Paul's case he didn't just say I'm praying for you he's saying I'm, I'm doing it every day I'm, I'm praying for you there's a big difference isn't there so it's just a challenge to ourselves. you know are we are we praying constantly for each other are we petitioning God and I think that a prayer we should have as a fellowship is that more and more we do bring each other to the Lord and this is a good fellowship for praying for each other I know that if someone says to me here they're praying they're praying and that's a great blessing to me personally and I know others have commented on that in the fellowship here that there's a real genuine heart to pray and Wednesday we see that as well as very particular requests are brought regularly people are constantly thinking about what's going on we should go on in that so Tim, Timothy had a good friend verse 4 uh, Paul says I re- I re- recalling your tears so Paul's remembering something about Timothy being upset the passage doesn't tell us what pain or what difficulty it was that young Timothy was facing but we know that he must have been hurting and there's Paul, he's a wee bit at a distance just now and he's thinking Timothy's having a difficult time and I remember that when I last saw him he was crying about things and he was really upset about certain things and that, that was probably driving Paul as well in his statement saying I long to see you because there's so much more you can feel in a connection with someone when you're face to face isn't there it's a great blessing you know you'll often go and visit someone and even uh, when, when maybe you're visiting somebody who's really struggling themselves they bless you there's a special connection in the Lord when you, when you go and you're, you're just sharing life together you're, you're talking about how the Lord's helping you and even the struggles you go through and you can offload some things with a trusted Christian brother or sister that helps you it helps you along the way and that's another very important aspect of the church but Paul's missing that because at this point in time he's, he's physically disconnected he's locked away somewhere and he can't quite get into the, the situation so how should we apply this thought process today well I would say we should value each other our time with each other our contact with each other in the Lord it's a precious thing and not everybody in the world always has an opportunity to do that there are Christians in the world who are locked away in prison who are persecuted for their faith we have an awesome privilege here that we probably don't realise that we've got the freedom to meet together to encourage one another and there's not, not a block at this point in time in doing that in Hebrews 10 verse 24 it says this and let us consider how we may spur on one another toward love and good deeds let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. As I was saying earlier on, God didn't create us as, as people to be lone rangers, to live on a wee island somewhere. God created us to live as part of a community. What kind of community? A community of believers that encourage one another in the faith, that spur one another on towards, it says there, towards love. That would be love for God and love for other people. That word community is very, very similar to the word communion. And that word communion talks about having a co- that connection, that relationship with, with God through Jesus. And also that blessed relationship that we're talking about uh, today with the family of God. That's a blessed communion that only comes through Jesus. When we truly love God, he empowers us by his spirit to love other people. It's only God that gives us love for other people, isn't it, really? Because God is love. And we can only truly love in a godly way when God is present in our lives, when we've received him then we're able to, we're empowered to be able to genuinely love people. So how do we apply that to ourselves here? Well, we've got a wonderful opportunity here, right here in Murraysburg, to share God's love with other people. And there's been many great things happening as folks have been simply sharing love, showing love, showing care and compassion towards other people in this place. But the challenge for us is we need to keep on doing it more and more. We need to encourage each other that there's a wonderful opportunity and we need to move more into action every day. Because there's so many people out there that don't know Jesus. There's so many people in this town very close to these doors today who are lost and don't know what it is to have a saviour. So there's a challenge for us to be obedient to God's word into our lives to, to do this. So Timothy had a good friend. Timothy also had a godly family. Verse 5. I've been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So Paul is talking about Timothy's sincere faith. What do we mean? By that, well, the word sincere means genuine, real, not a fake. Right? So just what we were talking about earlier on about real prayer and not just saying you'll pray. In Timothy's case, what Paul's saying is your faith is real, Timothy. You've really accepted Jesus. You're genuine and your, your heart's for the Lord. But he says a, an interesting statement. He says that there was faith first, first of all in your grandmother, uh, Lois, and then in your mother, Eunice. So we're seeing there that Timothy's grandmother came to faith presumably first came to know Jesus. We don't know how it happened, but we do know, as we read earlier on, that Paul was sent out to Lystra where his grandmother and his mother and him were, were, were staying. And it's highly likely that as a result of some of that ministry that Timothy's grandmother would have came to faith. Now what's the first thing that you do when you come to faith in Jesus? If it's, really, if it's real, you tell other people about it. And who do you tell first? You tell the people closest to you, people that you love. So no doubt Lois would have shared that faith with Timothy's mother Eunice. And in time she too trusted in Jesus as her saviour. And then in time, again we don't know how it happened, but at some time young Timothy also heard the faith through his, his mother and his grandmother. And also trusted in Jesus. Great story, isn't it? So how important, this shows us the importance of our natural families that God's given us, the places where he, our homes and the, the people he's put around about us and our family situations. First of all, the challenge is we need to share our faith. Need to, and that means live it as well as speak it. Because as we're saying earlier on there, the genuineness of our faith often isn't our words. It's who we are. It's that people can see there's a real, sincere faith behind what you're saying. Now, how many people in the world today are they're so sceptical about what's called religion? And that's fine for you, but what, what people need to see is Christianity lived out. And I've, I've no doubt that this is a strong testimony saying that Timothy's grandmother and his mother both were good examples of the faith and both lived it out in the home. Your children pick up so much from their parents. 
they pick up the good things and they pick up the bad things and that is a challenge for, for me uh, as a parent but also for, for all of us to think about in relation to how we are towards children and those younger than ourselves in Timothy's case he was really blessed he was brought up in a Christian home he had a mother and a grandmother who both shared their faith with him so he was doubly blessed but it's important to remember that we don't become a Christian because we're brought up in a Christian home that is not how we have a genuine faith Timothy had to come to the point where he personally accepted Jesus he personally had to accept Jesus for himself as his saviour so how do we, we apply this today? Well, today it is Mother's Day today. It is a time when we're giving God thanks for women who have influenced us. And when I look back to my own family situation, I, I was blessed by having a mother and a grandmother who both were Christians. And that, what I, I do look back at that seeing it was a blessing. Because it's not everybody that has that. But also, for those of us who haven't had that, God has blessed us. Because when we've come into faith, we've come into a faith with many women of God present in our lives. I praise the Lord for all the adopted aunties and and different things that go on in this fellowship. Bethany's got like a million aunties. (laughs) And it's, it's just part of this family that's a wonderful thing. So what God will do, I truly believe, is God will replace the things which have been missing in our lives. He will bless us in his family in ways that we could never have asked or imagined now I don't know what that means to you but maybe there, there feels like there's a gap somewhere in life but God fills it God is able and God has a, has a body of believers round about you as a Christian to be all he is all you ever need and he's got people who are serving him and will bless you in many ways so we do give th- thanks to God for all the godly women uh, who have encouraged us along the way with our sincere faith and with our prayers. What's the challenge for us today? Well, there's a challenge that we all have to demonstrate a sincere faith, not just a lip service faith. We have to actually live out what we're saying that we believe. Otherwise, people will see straight through it. And that means in our family situations and also in the church family. And remember that none of us is perfect. I don't stand here as someone that's saying, I've got all this totally perfectly down. I know I make mistakes as a father in work and in many different areas in life but I have a saviour who is greater than all of that and God has called me to serve him Timothy wasn't perfect, Paul wasn't perfect but they had a saviour who called them and equipped them for the task at hand and they were able to demonstrate godly qualities and situations in their lives Timothy had a gift from God verse 6 for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands for God did not give us a spirit of timidity but a spirit of power of love and of self discipline so verse 6 here Paul's reminding Timothy that he's been given a gift from God and he says you've got to fan it into flame recently I was passing by uh, someone's doorway and in the hallway there was a wee flame just sitting there Um, and at first I thought it was a wee candle or something this guy's waving something at it and all of a sudden this thing this flame filled the whole hallway it was quite frightening and I picked up my phone ready to dial 999 for the fire brigade and uh, then they got something else to go and cover it and they got the fire out but that's the type of effect it it would have you know if you do the wrong thing in front of a flame if it's fanned, if it's encouraged it'll fill the whole place now in in that sense I gave you there that was a negative uh, consequence and we're not wanting that to happen but in this particular uh, scenario we're talking about what Paul's saying is you've got a gift in you and it's like a flame often God's spirit and God's power is described in that uh, that imagery of a, like a flame 
He's saying, but you can't just leave it there like a wee candle uh, burning, hidden from everybody. You need to exercise that gift. You need to fan it. You need to. Use, and for me, that says, use your gift. In the church I used to come from, there was an old Christian term called, we need to exercise our gifts. <laughs> it sounded like you needed to go to the gym or something like that, you know. We need to, you need to exercise your gift. But I think that's actually quite a good term because you need to actually put it into motion. If you say, right, okay, God's called me to be a preacher and then you sit down and you never preach, then you're not really exercising your gift. If God's given you the gift of hospitality but you put a double lock on your front door and uh, stay in your house all the time, never let anyone in, you're not really exercising your gift of hospitality. It's only when you actually step out and use a gift that you see God blessing it. So why is it then that Timothy would have been, had all this going for him? He had a godly uh, friend praying for him every day. He had a godly family, brought him up, taught him all the right things. He was doubly blessed to have a mother and a grandmother who trained him in the way to go. And we're now hearing he had a gift directly from God to do the work he was called to do. But there's a problem. Somewhere down the line, Timothy seems to be shrinking back from what God's asked him to do. What are the things that would maybe make us do that? Try and apply that to ourselves today. Well, I think Paul um, reinforces what he's meaning by this in verse 7. He says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. You know, maybe Timothy was totally afraid to use his gift. Maybe Timothy had, had, had been discouraged by situations, maybe his own failures at times, maybe hurts from other people, criticism, I don't know. Whatever the reason it was, Paul is reminding Timothy that when God gave him his spirit, it's not a spirit to be timid with. It's not a spirit of timidity, it's not a spirit of fear, but it's a spirit of power, of love and of self-discipline. So what does that what does that mean? Well, as believers, as Christians, God has promised the Holy Spirit is gifted to us as believers. Present, His Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is present within us. Isn't that marvellous? So there's a flame. God's light is within us. His presence is within us as Christians. And on top of that, we're also promised in the Scriptures that God gives gifts to His people by His Spirit. Specific things on top of the fact He's given us His Spirit. He gives us special gifts. He gives us things that we're able to do uh, that are unique for, for Him. And actually, what, what Paul is really saying there is, God has given you the ability to not be afraid. <laughs> He's given you the ability to be confident in him. So whatever it is you're afraid of, and you're, you're not stepping out into, you just step out and trust God, and, tr- and, and trust in his power to enable you to do the things he's called you to do. So maybe today, are we afraid because we've failed in the past as a Christian? That can be a big reason why we don't step out and do things that God's called us to do, because we feel a failure. Well, let's remember we have a saviour. And the very first time we came to Jesus, we said, Lord, save me, I'm a sinner. Maybe we need to do that afresh and just come to the cross again and trust that Jesus is our one and only saviour for all time and confess our sins to him. Get right with them again. Maybe it's past hurts and often, unfortunately, some of these things happen in church life, happen between believers sometimes. Hurtful things can happen or sometimes outside the church, just different life circumstances can be so hard. And Timothy is there and he was in tears and we don't know why, but he was really discouraged and he was really down. Maybe that's how you're feeling today. Well, can, can I just say to you, God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love and of self-discipline. Whatever it is we're facing today, God has given us his power to overcome it. Amen? He has given us his power and he's promised us in his word that he will enable us to overcome whatever it is that we're facing. Fan into flame the gift God has given you. 
So just as we conclude today, we've looked at this passage and reflected on this young man Timothy. He had a lot of things going for him. Firstly, he was brought up in a godly home. Secondly, he had a good friend who prayed for him constantly. And thirdly, Timothy had been given a a gift from God. His mother and grandmother taught him in the scriptures and led him towards the faith. Paul would encourage him to come towards Christ and to serve him. He prayed for him. But Timothy noticed a few things, and maybe we've not come to the stage yet where we've actually trusted in Jesus as our saviour. We have to do that first before we can progress into some of these other things. Timothy firstly had to respond personally by trusting in Jesus as his own personal Lord and Saviour before anything else could happen. And if that's you or I today, we need to come to the cross and ask Jesus to forgive us for our sins. Ask him to come into our lives as our personal Lord and Saviour. Not only to believe that he exists, but to ask him to be our Saviour. To ask him to forgive us our sins. It's personal. It's not a head faith. It's a heart faith. Secondly, Timothy had to respond to Paul's encouragement. He could have said, that's really good, Paul, that you're praying for me all the time. I'll just go away back to my bed. But we know from the scriptures that Timothy did stand up. Timothy did do what God called him to do. He responded to the fact somebody was praying for him and somebody was challenging him. And thirdly, it was only Timothy that could fan into flame the gift God had given him. Nobody else was going to do it for him. God doesn't force us to do things. He asks us to be obedient to him. So that's a a challenge for all of us today. And maybe as we, we close in prayer, we would ask God to help all of us with these three responses. First of all, have we trusted in Jesus personally? Second, are we, in, are we responding to the challenges of his word and the encouragement there? And thirdly, are we using the gifts God's given us to serve him and to bless other people? Tonight uh, we'll continue with uh, verses 8 to 14. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this message to us today. Father God, and I thank you for every person here today. Father, you know our hearts and you know um, everything that's happened and is happening in our lives. Father, I pray if there's anybody here that doesn't know you as their personal saviour, we pray that today might be the day that they would receive you as saviour in simple faith, but sincere faith. In Jesus' name we pray. And Father God, we thank you that when we do take that step that we enter into a wonderful family of God and we thank you for every person here and the blessing that they are to, to us, Father God. I just pray an encouragement in every situation that we face today that we have brothers and sisters praying for us and that you are praying for us, Jesus, too. I pray that you would encourage us in this truth and help us as a fellowship just to continue in that prayerful spirit uh, for each other, bringing each other before you. And Father God, I, I thank you for the gifts that you've distributed in this place by your spirit. We thank you, first of all, for your spirit which is present within us as believers. And we pray, Father God, that that flame may turn into just a an absolute filling within us, God, by the power of your Spirit. And Father God, I thank you for the gifts that you've given throughout the the fellowship here, the the particular things that you've called people to do. And we come against that spirit of fear that isn't from you, and that timidity and that shrinking back. And we ask you, Father, to fill us by your Spirit and commission us and send us out to be obedient to your word in our lives. We thank you for everything that happens in this place, all the ministries that happen, and we pray that all the more you'll empower us Spur us on, help us to spur each other on to good, to love and good deeds. In this place we pray, in Jesus' name, Amen.